see the Dixon clan left the main girl somewhere else. He didn't think we were up to it. <laughs> he may be right. Well, it's good to see uh, see them with us tonight. We're going to begin our uh, sermon this evening, or this afternoon, in Philippians chapter 1. We're going to use verses 1 through 11. We won't read that, uh, but we're going to refer back to it as we continue on. Of course, that is the opening statement that Paul made to the, uh, the brethren in Philippi, and he talks about uh, the, the common things that they shared. He talks about uh, the remembrance that he has of them and his great love for them is the basis for the introduction to uh, uh, his letter to them. And in speaking of things that they remember, have you ever forgotten anything? You know, man, that's the story of my life. I can't remember anything. Uh, you can ask Kathy, I leave the office, I'll come back two or three times, I'll get out to the vehicle, and I say, well, I forgot my phone, or I forgot my glasses, or I forgot this, or I forgot that. I leave home, I can't remember to get what I need, I go to the store, uh, you know, uh, I can't remember what I need to pick up. So so I have a hard time sometimes remembering, and I told, uh, told my wife all these years, if I ever get Alzheimer's disease, we'll never know it. You'll never know it, because I never have been able to remember anything at all. Now, some of those things that we uh, we forget, we fail to remember, are inconsequential. Some things can be very important that we forget. And in fact, as we, as we go through life, we may do things or we may see things, uh, be a part of something, and we think, boy, I will never forget that as long as I live. And then as time slips on, sometimes the details begin to fade, even though we thought we would never, ever Forget that. A woman wrote of an experience she had with, with forgetting things. She said, After a meeting, I was coming out of a hotel and I was looking for my car keys. They were not in my pockets. A quick search in the meeting room, it wasn't there. Suddenly I realized I must have left them in the car. My husband has shouted many times for leaving the keys in the ignition. My theory is the ignition is the best place not to lose them. His theory is the car will be stolen. Immediately, I rushed to the parking lot. I came to a terrifying conclusion. His theory was right. The parking lot was empty. I immediately called the police. I gave them my location, car number, and description of the place where I parked. I equally confessed that I had left my keys in the ignition and it was stolen. Then I made the most difficult call of all to my husband. Honey, I stammered. She said, I always call him honey in times like this. I left my keys in the car and it has been stolen. There was a period of silence. I thought the call had been dropped, but then I heard his voice. No, he shouted. I dropped you at the hotel. <laughs> now it was my turn to be silent. Embarrassed, I said, well, come and get me. He shouted again, I will as soon as I manage to convince this policeman I haven't stolen your car. <laughs> you know, memory truly is a wonderful thing, especially when it works, you know, when, when it's working well. Because after all, it allows us to recall moments in our lives that we treasure, even from years ago. 
we learn or, or we are allowed to remember people who have impacted our lives, done things for us, all the fun times that we've had. We can just remember all sorts of amazing things. You know, memory is an amazing gift given to us by God and one that we cherish. I've entitled the sermon this afternoon, Precious Memories. Precious Memories. But there are times that memories fail us. Sometimes we can't remember uh, what we need to remember. Now that may be because of disease, age, time. All of those things seem to dilute our memories from time to time. We all have memories from years gone by and we may at times wonder if I'm recalling those memories correctly or not. And the sad fact is sometimes our memories fail us completely. We've all had those family members who got to the point that they just simply couldn't remember who we were. Now in our passage this afternoon, the Apostle Paul addressed the blessings of memories. He wrote to the Christians in Philippi and his memories of them rose to the surface and they can be seen in his letter as he recalled the many things that had happened in his life. Paul was comforted with those memories as he wrote them and, and at the time of his writing he was in prison in Rome. So he needed to be comforted. The year was about 62 A.D. and the apostle was set to, te uh, to testify and to bear witness of God just as he said he would, Acts 23, verse 11, but he would not do it as a free man, Philippians 1, verses 12 and 13. He would do it in the bonds of Rome. As he put his message in writing, he reminisced about his relationship with these fine people. Out of all the, the letters that Paul wrote, this one is often referred to as his love letter. The love letter to the Philippians because of his great attachment to those brethren. I want us to consider Paul's memories for just a few moments because his memories teach us some things that we need to remember and that we need to know about our own memories and how we ought to remember a lot of our own fellow laborers in the kingdom of God. Let's make the memories that we have and let's continue to make them. Let's be thankful for them, for the blessings. Paul began with, in his reminiscing of things in the past, he began with that, the past. After all, isn't the past where our memories begin? He addressed his letter to the saints in Christ, Jesus, which are Philippi. He was reminded of the common salvation that they shared, and that had happened in the past. They had obeyed the gospel. He had nurtured that congregation. He had helped them in the teaching. And they in return reciprocated that great love for him in taking care of his needs in this life. In verse 2, he called on the name of God, our Father. In verse number 5, he reminded them of their fellowship in the gospel. And he called them brethren eight times. He used those phrases to bring to their minds the memories of the common salvation that they shared with him and with each other. See how important memories are? They remind us of the past, and we ought to always remember our common past. Notice the, the Lord's church in general, made up of a multitude of diverse individuals. 
people who have different qualities and abilities uh, from from those who are are one talent individuals to those who are multi talented individuals. And guess what? For the body to work effectively, we need all of them. When we look at the parable of the talents and the parable of the pounds, the the master expected that one talent individual to use his one talent. He was just as important as the five talent man. He didn't get a pass because he had one talent. He he had to use that one talent. And that's what God expects. And we all of us are needed. Memories remind us of the past, and we ought to remember our common past. Notice what Paul remembered. He remembered his own conversion, didn't he? Acts 9, 1 through 9. Who of us do not remember the point in our lives when we became saved? He remembered the events which first led him to Philippi, Acts chapter 16. Remember he saw the the the, uh, the man who appeared to him and said, come help us. And so he went. He remembered those who first obeyed the gospel plan in that city. He spoke of Lydia the demon-possessed girl, the jailer and his family. He recalled the fellowship they shared with each other and all those memories filled his heart with joy. Philippians 1 verse 3. They comforted him in a time of need. Sometimes we may find ourselves in a position where all we have is our faith and our memories. And that will carry us through. I don't think there is any greater joy than recalling the time when those who we love obeyed the gospel. I guarantee you, if you have a child in this world, you can recall when they obeyed the gospel. You might not be able to give a specific date and time, but you know, I've known a lot of people who guarded that date and time, and they knew it better than they knew their own birth dates. But you still remember the circumstances, you remember what was going on, and things of that nature. Paul recalled past memories of a common salvation, and he recalled the past memories of common service that they shared. He said this, verse 6, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul was proud of being a fellow servant with the brethren in Philippi. The word from which we get the word servant in this context literally means slave. Someone who is owned by a master. And that's exactly what Christians are. But we are a willing slave. Doulos. That's the word from which we uh, get our word. That means we give ourselves. And if you notice, from the time of the Old Testament all the way up into the New Testament, slaves were given that opportunity. If a person under the law of Moses came to the time, uh, the end time of his service and he was a slave to a particular family, he could choose to stay with that family and remain a servant. You read through the old law, the, uh, the slave would put his ear up against the, uh, the frame of the door. They would take an awl and they would pierce his ear. And that was demonstration that now he is a willing slave. He chose that. What better example could we have than, than the Christian in the New Testament who is a willing slave of Christ? Now, what makes us become Christians? We have that opportunity to 
be a part of the family of Christ and to remain in the family of Christ. Uh, that's where we uh, uh, come to the understanding of what the redeemed are, right? We are redeemed. We're bought back. We're willingly uh, slaves to the, to the one who gave his life for us. The saved of Jesus are mentioned in this verse. Those were his true yoke fellow, he said. Those who labored with him in the gospel, verse 3. Now, we notice that the Christians in Philippi were his co-workers, his co-laborers. They stood shoulder to shoulder with him, and they helped him through all the things that he faced. You recall in his letter to the Corinthians, when he told them, in essence, he said, I didn't do you any favors by uh, these actions, but when I worked with this congregation, when I served you, I robbed other congregations of the Lord's people. You see, Philippi helped to support him when he was working in the gospel. They didn't mind. They didn't care where it was. It didn't have to be in Philippi. It was just simply spreading the gospel. Isn't that what congregations do today? How many of us are able to get on a plane and, and go to some foreign nation? Who of us are willing to do that? You know, I've come to a point in my life, I'm not willing to do that anymore. I'm not willing to, to go out and... and uh, uh, Go do those things. I just don't want to do it. Does that make me wrong? No. There's plenty of work to do right here. But you know what we do? We help support those who are doing it. See, that's what Paul did. He was a missionary. Philippi helped support him in that work. They were co-laborers. But you notice that Paul didn't just have those past memories. He wanted to continue to make memories. See, that's the beautiful thing about memories. They're always being made. So he took the things that were happening in the present and he used those to help make memories. That's our second point. Paul remembered the uncommon love they shared. And that kind of fits right into what we've been talking about of the things in the past. They had a common labor. They had a common... Uh, uh, rather salvation, a common service. Now when we're talking about the things of the present, they had a common love, didn't they? He remembered uh, the things that that they accomplished and the things they helped him accomplish. Notice Philippians 1 verse 8. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. They were very dear to Paul. We talked about love this morning. We talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And that, that highest form of love, that, that agape love, that, that love that doesn't have emotion attached to it because we're able to push emotion, whether positive or negative, aside to accomplish what that goal is. But now what Paul is talking about here is he had this brotherly love. He had that love for them. He had an affection for them. Now he had agape love. He had agape love. If he needed to... Uh, rebuke them for something, surely he would have done it. Right? But he had this brotherly love. He had this affection for them that, that was in addition to the agape love. And so he, he had that closeness. That's a love which ought to characterize all of God's people, shouldn't it? We all ought to have that kind of love for one another simply because we are fellow brethren. Jesus told his apostles John 13, 15. 
For I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. When did he make that statement? Do you recall? He had just washed the feet of the apostles. That was right right after they had uh, participated in that Passover feast. You see, they needed to share a Christ-like spiritual love, one that transcends all things, the very love about which he spoke in 1 Corinthians 13 that we talked about this morning. John reminded his readers, those who are saved, love those who are saved. 1 John 2, 5 and 10. They love every people. They love the world. They love the lost. The saved do, but the saved love the saved. They love each other. That's a mark that helps to identify uh, followers of Christ. And that's what God expects us to have. We should always be thankful for those who love us and for those that we love. You know, the world doesn't have that necessarily. They, they, have, they have love for the family normally. They have love for friends, but you know, they don't understand the kind of love that Christians have. The kind of love that a Christian has for Christ, that he has for God, because something is attached to that. Something goes along with having that kind of love. Paul described later in this same letter, that which accompanies the love of Christ. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ. Philippians 4 verse 7. How do you get that peace? If you don't have the love of God, you don't have love for Christ, we won't have that peace. The world doesn't quite understand that. You see, the blessings of memories that were being made helped Paul to contemplate the uncommon love and also the uncommon labor that they shared. Have you noticed that Paul and other Christians, excuse me, about whom we read in the New Testament, they continually labored. They never stopped. They didn't obey the gospel and then just just come together and, and worship. They were able to do what they were able to do, and they did those things. Again, we go back to to what one's ability is, right? We do what we're able to do. Whatever that is, however small, it's not small in God's sight. It's all required and needed. Notice what he said verse 9. In this I pray you that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. What happens when our knowledge of Christ abounds? Our action abounds, doesn't it? We learn more about what he wants. We decide we want to be able to fulfill that. All of that happens. We go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse 57. And uh, uh, he wants our, our labor and our work to always be abounding, right? Overflowing. Doing the things that God has asked us to do. Paul thought of those with whom he labored. He reflected on the way they served. And that's a blessing. Now think about it again. He's in, he's in Rome. He's in prison. He's very nearing the end of his life. And these memories are comforting him. Isn't it comforting to know that that, uh, you reared your children properly and now something were to happen to you, they would be okay? That's kind of what Paul's thinking here. That's kind of a similar attitude. You remember what he called Timothy, my son in the the gospel, right? 
He reared Timothy in the gospel, and then he understood Timothy would be okay. So that's what we want to do with our children. That's what we want to do with our friends and our, our families, right? We want to help them to obey the gospel. We want to help them to remain faithful. And then, you know, if something happens to us, we do not have to worry about their spiritual welfare. You see, we can recognize that materialistically when we when we rear our children. We want to send them to school. We want to teach them a trade. We want them to be able to take care of themselves. And then that way, we don't have to worry about them. That's the greatest blessing in the world, I believe. Not having to worry about your children. Are they going to be able to take care of themselves? Are they going to be able to, to be okay in this life? I think a, a, a person can endure a whole lot of things as long as that's not on the plate. Right? And so we need to think about that spiritually speaking. You see, uh, the gratitude that, that Paul had toward these Philippians, how they aided him, how they sent uh, Epaphroditus to minister, him, minister to him while he was in prison, Philippians chapter 2. They had given sacrificially, Philippians chapter 4. You see, all Christians ought to have that level of gratitude. Let's be thankful for our memories and for those who created those memories. And let's be have a have a debt of gratitude. You know, I appreciate those, all of those who, all of us who serve here at, at White Oak. I'm thankful for all that you do. I truly am. I think the church is greater than any one person, but can the church be great if each individual is not? We need all of us to be great, right? And I appreciate that. Paul remembered those who shared an uncommon love with him. He remembered those who shared an uncommon labor with him. And that pleased him. Remember, there are no memories unless we make them. And so Paul was busy making them. Notice what he's talking about. He talked about past memories. He talked about the present that would lend themselves to making memories. Now here's something that I found very peculiar and something that is different from all of his other letters. This whole letter is a positive letter. When we read uh, 1 Corinthians or Romans or some of these other letters, we read the love in those letters, but you know what else we read? The rebuke. Where they're messing up, right? Where's that in this letter? This is a love letter. And so it's a positive one. Now notice what he told them. After telling them that he wanted their uncommon love to abound, verse 9, he said in verse 10, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. So what does that mean? He wanted them to grow in every aspect of their Christianity. He wanted them to grow. If we're not growing... We're dying. We're receding, right? And so he talked about the positive things they were doing and he wanted them to continue in those positive things until Christ came. The whole letter is full of positive memories. If we had to look at, uh, uh, try to search out one negative thing that he said in this, I guess it might be in Philippians 4 verse 2. He said, I implore Euodia and I implore, uh, implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. There must have been some kind of a minor conflict between these two Christian ladies, but he knew that, that their love for Christ would work that out. 
that they both would do the right things. And so we don't have a letter of rebuke. We have a letter of love and appreciation. And, and here's the thing. You know, the church at Philippi, they weren't, it wasn't made up of perfect people. It was just simply made up of people who tried their best and their hardest to be faithful to God. And Paul understood that. He was, he was not overlooking sin. If there had been a problem there, he would have addressed it. But he understood the best way to encourage these uh, brethren to continue on to greater faith. Even in his letter of rebuke to Corinth, Paul promoted the positive aspects and taught them uh, the true meaning of love. We spoke of that this morning. And he wanted those in Philippi to continue to grow in a positive way. And he knew the only way for that to happen was for them to grow in the grace of God. That's the answer for all of us, isn't it? The behavior God expects from Christians, we ought to have that toward each other. And you know where that's not found? That's not found in the ideals of the world. That's not what the world around us is going to tell us. That conflicts with what Christ says. We're to behave a particular way, and we're going to learn that only through the Bible. Paul was very clear when he explained that to the brethren in Galatia. Galatians 5, 19 through 24. We're not going to read that, but we, but, but we need to read it. We need to study it. He lists uh, uh, an array of sins to avoid. And then he lists qualities and characteristics we are to have very closely, Ken, to uh, what we call the Christian graces, the fruit of the Spirit. And if we're going to grow in the grace of God, we have to have those qualities. We have to have all of those things, and we have to be continually working on them. And he wanted the brethren to view each other in a positive way. Is it possible for a group of folks to have a a positive attitude toward a central idea, yet have a negative attitude toward each other? Sure it is. That's not what God wants. That's not how Christians behave. We have a positive attitude toward God, toward Christ, toward the Godhood generally, and we need to have a positive attitude toward each other. That doesn't mean we overlook sin, but what it does mean is we practice those things we talked about this morning. True love, patient, kind, Right? We're going to treat each other well. We're not going to be boastful. We're not going to think too highly of ourselves and, and not uh, regard our brethren. So that's what God expects. And that's what happens when we, when we grow in grace. A person who exemplifies the sins of which Paul spoke to the Galatians, they're controlled by the flesh. That's not what God wants. The fruit of the Spirit means we're controlled by the Spirit. The Spirit has, has given us the information we need through the written Word. And that ought to control us. God expects us to build godly memories. He wants that to happen. And He expects us to look for the good in each other and to encourage each other toward that good. May we always put forth the Christian effort to accomplish that and looking for the positive in each other. Now, brethren, here's the truth. If we wanted to sit down and find the negative in each other, that's not hard to do. That's not hard to do. If we wanted to sit down and and uh, decide what the negative was in Rick Owens, you don't have enough paper and enough pencils 
to write that down. But that's not what God wants. Again, we're not talking about overlooking sin. We're talking about just simply finding something that we may not particularly care for in an individual. Let's not do that. I'm not saying that's what we do here. I'm just saying in general, that's kind of what people do. And that's not what we want. Let's look for the positive. Paul wanted to send a letter of love and appreciation to the Christians in Philippi. Can you imagine the gratitude they had for him in sending that letter? I often uh, have not thought about it in that way. But can you imagine the, the, the gratitude? Have you ever received a letter from someone and they said, boy, we appreciate you so much. And what a difference that makes. I've been in some pretty stressful situations uh, as a preacher before, and every once in a while you'll get a card, or you'll get a letter or something from someone, and they'll, they'll say, boy, you know, I really appreciate you. I appreciate what you've done. And it almost like it makes it all worth it, right? Well, of course it makes it all worth it. I recall a young lady one time, we'd already moved here to, Chattanooga come back to the eastern part of the state and she and her husband they had uh, I think they have three children now and we had a class and and it was about basic uh, questions basic understandings and 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 they wanted to have discussions about whatever came to their mind and I would I would plan classes accordingly and so we put together a, a notebook of those things and one day I got a text from her and she said, I really appreciate the class that we had. And this has been maybe two or three years ago. I appreciate the class that we had. I was thinking about something in particular and I went to our notebook and there it was. You know how thankful I was? I really appreciated that. She made me feel good. I thought maybe I'd accomplished something wonderful in her life, but it helped me more than it helped her. Let's consider things like that. Priscilla Leonard the pen name of Emily Perkins, she wrote this. Forget each kindness that you do as soon as you have done it. Forget the praise that falls to you the moment you have won it. Forget the slander that you hear before you can repeat it. Forget each slight, each spite, each sneer whenever you may meet it. Remember every promise made and keep it to the letter. Remember those who lend you aid and be a grateful debtor. Remember all the happiness that comes your way in living. Forget each worry and distress. Be hopeful and forgiving. Remember good. Remember truth. Remember heaven is above you. And you will find through age and youth that many will love you. What do we remember today? We've all got some good memories. Let's use them. Let's use them to allow us to greater and greater faith in God. You know, we've all got some memories we wish we didn't have. But maybe we need to let those go and move forward if we've taken care of them in the past. May the present knowledge of our uncommon love and our uncommon labor encourage us to greater love and greater labor. And may we continue in our positive growth as we move forward in the grace of God and enjoy the blessings of memory. You need to answer the Lord's invitation this day. If you've got something in your life that has separated you from God and you need to come and and take care of that, if you need to repent of sin, make the confession, ask God to forgive you. If you need to do that in a public way, do that today before we leave.
if you need to do that in a private way, you have every opportunity while you're alive to make sure that happens. Always remember, when we have an opportunity to demonstrate our love, it is through teaching someone the gospel plan of salvation. A salvation that requires faith and repentance, confession, immersion in water, and faithful living. If you need to answer this invitation, do that as we stand and as we sing.